Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli and this is The Week in Doubt. I'm introducing myself because I've neglected to do so the last few episodes. Anyone new to the show might be wondering who's hosting this thing, other than just some anonymous weirdo with a drowsy voice and thick New England accent. Which, yes, does describe me, but there's my name too in case you were wondering. I was originally working on an episode that focused on the difference between pantheism and panentheism. Technically, it could probably, you know, just be a two-minute episode, but I decided to really dig into the history behind the terms. But then I noticed videos popping up in my YouTube feed regarding popular atheist YouTuber Alex O'Connor, aka Cosmic Skeptic, and the fact that he's supposedly no longer vegan. And so these are two subjects that really interest or matter to me, atheism and veganism, so I figured I'd cover it. And Cosmic Skeptic rose to fame as an atheist YouTuber, but over the last two or three years or so, he's also become a very outspoken vegan activist, so to suddenly hear that he's no longer vegan or that he's gone back to eating animal products comes as kind of a shock. And to let you know where I stand in relation to veganism, I'll quickly give you a bit of my backstory. I think like many, perhaps even most people, if that's not too presumptuous, I've always had a kind of love or affection for animals, but for whatever reason, social conditioning, etc., I never really made the connection, so to speak, that the meat on my plate came from a real living, breathing animal, you know, a, a being capable of suffering. Of course, I knew it factually, but I think there can be a difference between kind of complacently sleepwalking past a fact and coming to a really deep realization of it. Uh, like there's this weird kind of compartmentalization going on where even though it's right there on your plate, um, you just don't think about it while eating or if you do think of the animals. You know, well, I'd picture kind of, you know, a happy cow out in a field or maybe a cartoon chicken or something instead of the stark reality of a living animal dying horrifically. And I think it was about a decade ago, probably not long after starting this podcast, I came across an online article that focused on the abuse of pigs in so-called factory farming conditions. And I think uh, it may have specifically been a Tyson facility, but the article included undercover video and the footage was absolutely horrific. Gestation or farrowing crates so small the pigs couldn't even turn around, workers taking their frustrations out on the animals, piglets being killed or left to rot, etc. Right there I decided I was no longer going to eat pork. May have slipped up here and there over the years, but for the most part, it stuck. And then, um, right around the beginning of the pandemic, I watched this documentary I kept hearing about called The Game Changers. Some people have taken issue with some of the medical claims made in the documentary, uh, perhaps fairly claims about reversing heart disease, that kind of thing. But I still think it's a good documentary, and I've probably watched it about seven or eight times. If I want to get pumped or motivated, I'll throw it on while I'm working out or riding my exercise bike. The person behind the documentary, and he also presents it, is a former MMA fighter named James Wilkes. 
and he goes around interviewing various vegan professional athletes, NFL players, bodybuilders, powerlifters, long-distance runners, cyclists, you know, etc., etc. And I forget his name, but also a fellow mixed martial artist who beat Conor McGregor. In fairness, I think I've heard people say that the fighter in question might be only mostly plant-based and not vegan. And I think the same might be true of James Wilkes himself. He strongly promotes the health benefits of a vegan diet. But last I heard, and I think he also states this in the documentary, perhaps in passing, he personally does eat at least some meat. But the Game Changers put veganism on my radar, and I then started watching some vegan YouTubers, and that led me to watch uh, the vegan documentaries, Earthlings and Dominion both of which are free on YouTube, I believe. But a warning, they're incredibly graphic. They depict the horrors that take place in factory farming, fur farms, that kind of thing. And the footage definitely isn't for the faint of heart. And I believe they're both narrated by Joaquin Phoenix, who himself is vegan. But I was so disturbed, outraged, and disgusted by what I witnessed in those documentaries that if not going completely vegan on the spot, I at least had to start by making some big changes to my diet. So I switched out cow's milk for almond milk, and I know supposedly uh, almond milk is bad for the environment. Piers Morgan says it's bad for the bees, etc. Uh, but, you know, but which may be true, but I'm trying. Hey, I wasn't sure if I'd uh, like plant-based milk, but I like it so much, almond milk at least, that I now can't even imagine going back to regular milk. And it's probably important to mention that before the Game Changers, I'm not even sure if I knew what veganism was. I had probably heard the word, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you the difference between veganism and vegetarianism. The difference, of course, being that vegetarians abstain only from meat, while vegans don't eat any animal products, no eggs, no dairy, no honey, etc. And I remember at first thinking, wow, that's a bit extreme. Why can't you eat dairy and eggs? That doesn't require killing the animal. But the reason is the egg and dairy industries are so deeply intertwined with the meat industry that if you're eating eggs and dairy, you're also, perhaps unwittingly to be fair, supporting the meat industry as well. Hens whose egg production drops off and cows whose milk production drops off are sold off for meat. Calves are taken away from their mothers, turned into veal or raised for beef. Male chicks, since they can't lay eggs, are tossed alive into macerators. And I'm trying not to get too graphic. I know this is a sensitive or disturbing topic. But the biggest change I made after watching those documentaries is that I decided I wasn't going to buy animal products anymore, including meat. Admirable, right? But here's where I kind of lose the moral high ground. Knowing the limits of my own willpower or self-discipline, I made a deal or compromise with myself that I wouldn't buy any animal products, but that I'd leave myself the loophole that maybe every once in a while, if I'm at a social or family gathering or event, and someone offers me some kind of animal product, maybe, you know, I'll accept and have some. That way I give myself kind of an outlet without having to worry about whether I have the willpower to go completely cold turkey or not. Um, pardon the unintentional animal pun. 
And I know that leaves me on ethically shaky ground because you can rightfully argue that even if I didn't pay for it with my own money, if I eat an animal product at a party or whatever, I'm still indirectly supporting those industries. I get it and I agree. Someday will I completely eliminate that little cheat or loophole practice? I, I don't know. I'm just trying to be honest. And because of that kind of thing, I've intentionally never referred to myself as vegan, even though I strongly support veganism uh, or consider myself an ally, in a sense, of the movement. I respect veganism so much that I didn't want to disappoint myself or anyone else or do a disservice to the movement by proclaiming myself vegan and then, you know, failing or having to apologize to the world for getting drunk at a friend's house and having a slice of pizza or something to that effect. And I know it's hypocritical of me, which is why as I offer my analysis of this situation with Cosmic Skeptic, I'm going to try to keep in mind the old maxim concerning glass houses. But I will say, even though I might not have the right to do so, given my own lack of commitment, I did feel a sense of sadness or disappointment upon learning that he had, in a sense, abandoned veganism. I say, in a sense, um, he returned to animal products. And it might be, once again, hypocritical, you know, but I, I might not be fully committed, but I still really admired him for his commitment. And even before he embraced veganism, I admired him as an atheist content creator. I was impressed by his calm, measured demeanor, how intelligent and well-spoken he was, the soundness of his arguments, etc. And then when he did embrace veganism, I remember admiring him for talking so openly about it on his channel because veganism is a real hot-button issue and he had built quite a successful YouTube channel for himself. So by suddenly introducing or shifting emphasis to a new topic, especially one that can be so divisive, he was potentially risking turning off or alienating a certain portion of his audience. And so I thought it took a certain kind of integrity or courage to do so anyway. But as far as I can tell, things kind of started to go sideways about a year ago when Cosmic Skeptic, a.k.a. Alex O'Connor, released a video entitled, Do Animals Have a Right to Life? And in his own thumbnail, he has a picture of himself with a speech bubble containing the words, Probably Not. And based on watching the video myself and other people's responses, it seems the gist of his argument is that since it would be impossible to completely avoid incidental animal deaths, say as a result of crop harvesting, that kind of thing, it wouldn't make practical sense to award them a right to life, something to that effect. Hopefully I'm not mangling or misconstruing his argument. But I heard multiple vegan content creators make the point that the same thing could apply to people. There's human occupations, in which, as opposed to animal occupations, in which a certain number of workers die every year. Construction, line work. There's a certain number of people that die every year in accidents with large commercial vehicles. And on a quick side note, I've always thought the ethics of driving seem a bit strange or disconcerting when you 
you really think about it. It's like we enter this unspoken social contract with the understanding or tacit acceptance that a certain number of us will die every year on the altar of convenience so the rest of us can get from point A to point B faster. But the point being, there's a certain amount of human life lost every year to the gears of industry, but we wouldn't say because of that, that humans don't have a right to life. And one thing I was a bit confused about is, was Alex talking about whether or not animals should be seen as having a right to life ethically, legally, or both? Legally, that could get pretty complicated. You know, the police can't open up a case every time a mouse or bug gets killed by a combine harvester. Uh, but ethically, I personally think every living being, at least every sentient living being, has a kind of inherent right to life just by merit of the fact that, you know, it's a living individual. And I think, of course, there's a kind of sentience hierarchy to take into consideration. Most people probably wouldn't lose too much sleep over the idea of a single-celled organism perishing, but you might feel bad about killing an insect. You'd probably be even more concerned about the welfare of a fellow vertebrate, like a lizard, even more so for a fellow mammal, also vertebrates, but you get my point. Um... And I'm an atheist, agnostic atheist, uh, but despite that, and maybe it's a holdover from studying Eastern spirituality when I was young, and it's hard to put into words, but I do feel in a way like there's almost a kind of animating principle, some kind of essence of being in all living things, you know, from, uh, from an ant to an elephant deserving of respect. But that could just be my poetic or mystical bent showing through. Uh, being a skeptic, I readily admit it could all just be biochemical, but the sentiment still stands. Life should be respected. But once again, hierarchy. I don't think anyone should go to jail for killing an ant, but they should for abusing higher life forms like mammals, including livestock, which gets tricky since factory farming is essentially institutionalized animal abuse, and that's not me being hyperbolic. If you have the stomach for it, look up how piglets are treated by the meat industry. Teeth and tails, cut or docked, uh, castrated, without all without anesthesia or anesthetic. Um, the runts and the sickly get quote-unquote thumped. You don't even want to know what that means. Basically legalized and institutionalized sadism and sociopathy. I'm not saying the people doing it want to be doing it, and I imagine it probably takes quite a psychological and emotional toll on the workers, those with intact consciences at least, or a intact conscience. But whatever the mindset of those carrying out such barbaric practices, it doesn't mitigate the harm being done or the pain being inflicted. But Alex made that controversial video asserting that animals probably shouldn't be regarded as having a right to life on, I guess, utilitarian grounds, which some vegans weren't exactly crazy about, as you can imagine. And then about seven months ago, I believe, he went on Michaela Peterson's podcast. And if you're not familiar, she's the daughter of Jordan Peterson. Yes, that Jordan Peterson. And both father and daughter adhere to a carnivore diet. Alex was criticized by a number of vegans who thought that he didn't push back hard enough against some of her arguments or claims. Some even accused him of quote-unquote simping for her. 
I've watched the interview a couple of times now, and I honestly don't think his performance was as bad as some people made it out to be. He did push back at times, but other times, he probably should have been more assertive, should have challenged some of our wacky claims more. Um, but one complaint or criticism I've heard repeatedly from various vegans is that he came off like a welfareist um, as opposed to an animal rights activist. Uh, he came off as more of a utilitarian or consequentialist, once again, rather than focusing on animal rights. And then roughly a month ago, he, meaning Alex or Cosmic Skeptic, published a community post in which he explains that he's begun consuming animal products again. It's pretty long, so I'll refrain from reading it in its entirety. I'll just focus on some of the more eyebrow-raising parts that have, you know, jumped out at myself and others. So it starts out, hi everyone, which is how I start the podcast, or is it hey? Anyway, recently I have noticed people wondering why I've been so inactive, and wondering why I have not uploaded any veganism-related content. For quite some time, I have been reevaluating my ethical position on eating animals, which is something people have also noticed. But what you will not know is that I had also been struggling privately to maintain a healthy plant based diet. So for me, I think that's one of the most striking parts of the post. Right off the bat, he mentions, quote unquote, reevaluating his ethical position on eating animals. And the reason why this hit so hard is because Alex had been a very passionate and fierce vegan activist. By nature, as you probably know, he's um, rather mellow and soft-spoken, but he was so passionate that he would almost sound kind of heated and indignant during his public speeches about um, veganism and animal ethics, really railing against things like, for instance, how monstrous it is to kill innocent beings or make them suffer. So paraphrasing uh, him, you or him can have a topping for your pizza. I will never again allow my culinary convenience to balance upon the corpses of innocent members of our moral community whose, whose eyes I never had to look into, but saw more pain than I will ever even be capable of imagining so that I could eat a pizza topping. And as we'll discuss, it turns out he was supposedly wrestling with some health issues that he felt made it uh, harder to remain vegan. And I can get in a sense how after a while people might just quit being vegan. Maybe they lose the willpower or the self-discipline. Uh, and maybe they feel like they have medical reasons that make it seem unsustainable for you know, whatever specific reason. Uh, but changing your mind about the ethics or reevaluating the, the ethics, as he put it, especially someone like him who is so keenly aware of what animals go through and who once again railed so passionately against such horrors, uh, weakness or a lack of willpower, I can understand. After all, once again, glass house. Uh, I'm not completely plant-based. But after everything I've seen in documentaries like Dominion and Earthlings, you'll never con convince me that it's A-OK -okay to kill and eat animals. 
And this isn't me judging anyone listening. Um, once again, I'm a hypocrite. I promote vegan ethics, and yet I'll still sometimes eat animal products if offered to me. You can engage in a behavior and still realize there's something ethically off or problematic about it. People do it all the time. In fairness to Alex, uh, a.k.a. Cosmic Skeptic, it's not like he's completely tossed veganism or animal rights in the bin. He mentions wanting to continue fighting to end factory farming and states that you can get all the nutrients you need from a well-planned vegan diet, but at the same time also stating that he doesn't think it's practical for him personally, uh, paraphrasing. And I forget which vegan content creator it was, but I heard someone make the point that his revisiting or reevaluating the ethics of meat eating could be his way on some level of trying to lessen the guilt of eating animal products again. I guess, and it makes sense, that it's a fairly common phenomenon among people uh, leaving veganism. I'm sure psychologically they must look for some kind of justification to resume a practice that they had not long before deemed unethical. But yeah, to reiterate, I think in a way it's the questioning of the ethics that he once promoted so passionately that perhaps disturbs people the most, perhaps even more than the um, incorporation of animal products back into his diet, although obviously vegans aren't thrilled about that either. But let's continue with his community post. I wanted to let you know that because of this, I have for some time now been consuming animal products again, primarily but not exclusively seafood, and experimenting with how best to integrate them into my life. So he says he's been eating animal products again, primarily but not exclusively seafood, and in a way I think he kind of did himself a disservice by being somewhat vague. I wish he had been more specific about what particular animal products he's eating again. Because it kind of surprised me, but I heard two different hardcore YouTube vegans, including Vegan Gains, say if you felt like you needed meat and you seem to be focusing on seafood, why not something like oysters, which most likely aren't sentient, since all they really have in way of a nervous system is some nerve ganglia that aren't, you know, connected to a brain. And I could have sworn I once heard Vegan Gains condemn eating bivalves because even though they have a um, very rudimentary nervous system, they're still living animals that respond to stimuli, etc. But it looks like he must have changed his thinking on that to some degree. And I think this is a topic that vegans tend to be divided on, whether or not it's alright to eat bivalves. I still eat scallops from time to time. Scallops and rice have long been one of my favorite foods. Even though I'm otherwise not big on seafood, I think it's because they lack that fishy smell and they almost have the look and texture of white meat. Uh, chicken nuggets of the sea. I probably shouldn't be so glib since they are, you know, still animals, but hey, cut me some slack. And I think if Alex was just adding mussels or something like that to his diet, people would probably be much more understanding, but he kind of leaves it open to the imagination, especially where he says not limited to seafood. It kind of allows people to speculate whether he's full-on eating steak again, you know? So I'll jump down a bit to the fourth paragraph. My opposition to factory farming remains unchanged. 
As to my views regarding the need to view non-human animals as morally worthy beings, whose interests ethically matter. However, I am no longer convinced of the appropriateness of an individual-focused boycott in responding to these problems, and am increasingly doubtful of the practic- uh, here we go, the practicability, not practicality, practicability of maintaining a healthy plant-based diet in the long term, again for reasons I hope to go into in more detail at a later date. So that paragraph starts out well enough. He mentions his continued opposition to factory farming and acknowledges the moral worth of animals. But then he says he's no longer convinced of the appropriateness of an individual-focused boycott and increasingly doubtful of the practicability of maintaining a healthy plant-based diet in the long term. And once again, in fairness, he does have, uh, I guess, a legitimate health issue he's wrestling with. Well, I don't guess. I'll get to it. It is a legitimate health issue. But whether it actually requires him giving up a vegan diet, that's another question. Because I kind of read all this as eloquently worded code for, I just don't want to do this anymore. Him saying that he questions the merit of an individual boycott, that's basically him saying he no longer thinks going vegan is the answer, right? And that instead systemic change is the answer, bills and legislature seeking to change how animals are treated in animal agriculture, that kind of thing I imagine. Why not promote both? We need the laws to change, but at the same time, people going vegan are sending a message and enacting change by not funding those industries with their wallets. So here's the fifth paragraph. At the very least, even if I am way off base and totally mistaken in my assessments, I do not wish to see people consuming a diet on my account if I have been unable to keep up that diet myself. Even if I am making a mistake, in other words, I want it to be known that I have made it. So that's a bit disturbing, too, saying that he doesn't want people consuming a diet on his account, that he was unable to maintain himself. It makes it sound like he doesn't want or he's discouraging people from going or being vegan. But in fairness, if I read between the lines, I get the feeling maybe he just feels overwhelmed by the idea he might be responsible for getting people to radically change their thinking or lifestyle when he himself couldn't make it work. In a sense, I can relate to this because when I started this podcast, and even though I also sometimes talk about history and spirituality in general and touch on some eclectic topics, this is essentially an atheist podcast, or as the tagline implies, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, or whomever. Not long ago, I had a reviewer take issue with my grammar. And even though I self-deprecatingly used to say that I didn't think I even had the power to make someone an atheist, there was still a small part of me that kind of feared bearing the responsibility of knowing I completely changed another uh, human being's worldview. And I wouldn't even necessarily want someone to become an atheist because of me. I would ideally want people to do what I try to do. Think for yourself, look at the evidence, or lack thereof, if we're talking about the supernatural claims of religion, uh, look at the arguments, etc., and then come to your own conclusion. And in the case of veganism, it's a very positive ethical position, so there's no real reason to worry that you may have made someone vegan. 
It's a positive change, and as a consequence, you and they are helping to reduce the suffering in the world. And I just want to clarify for my fellow non-believers, I didn't fear converting people into atheists because I think atheism's bad. Atheism is morally neutral in a sense. It just means you don't believe in or doubt the existence of God or a higher power. But I do think there can be a moral component to one's atheistic worldview. For instance, one of the reasons I'm a non-believer is because I can't make moral sense out of all the suffering in the world and how a quote-unquote good God could or would allow it, theodicy and all that. And also I feel a moral obligation to the truth, which drives me to want to know what's empirically true instead of settling for the comfort of man-made religious beliefs. But to get back on track, in the comments section of a video Alex recently released, I saw someone say, paraphrasing, that they were inspired by his vegan activism, but never took the plunge, and since he was no longer vegan, they were going to become vegan in his stead. Something like that, which I thought was rather nice. And the part where he talks about doubting the practicality or practicability of a vegan diet. When I talk about sometimes accepting animal products if offered to me, that has nothing to do with the practicality. Uh, it has to do with me being half-assed. There's always ways to, you know, to make do if you're fully committed. If you're at a party uh, and really want to avoid animal products, at least the parties I go to, there will often be fruit or vegetable platters, potato chips, side stuff like rice or pasta. I actually find it pretty easy to maintain a plant-based diet, or mostly plant-based in my case. And a lot of the foods I eat are foods I already loved. Bananas, you can buy a whole bunch for under two bucks. Oranges, tangerines, you know, raisins, nuts, berries, legumes, rice, one of my favorite things in the world. Um, there's these Japanese teriyaki noodles I love, cereal and almond milk, whole grain bread, dark chocolate, uh, you know, Swedish ginger thin cookies uh, that I really like. Of course, peanut butter, you can put it on the whole grain bread or bagels. Um, yeah, long list of foods. And once again, this isn't me lecturing. This is just me discussing what I'm doing on my own personal journey. But I think Cosmic Skeptic realized that his community post may have come off as being too discouraging because in the aforementioned video, which he released in its wake, he does stress, as I mentioned, that he believes you can get all the nutrition you need from a well-planned vegan diet and that he wants people to go vegan, etc. And in that video, he also goes into the health issue that was supposedly making it difficult for him to maintain a vegan diet. And it's IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. I have numerous health issues myself, but fortunately IBS isn't one of them. As I understand, it can make life miserable and there are related conditions like Crohn's disease, which can be very serious, even life-threatening. I did some layman's digging around, and I'm obviously no medical expert, but I discovered that there's a number of uh, foods, both vegan and non-vegan, that can either inflame or help relieve or prevent the symptoms of IBS. And there's a term called FODMAP, I think it is. It's just an acronym for a series of short-chain carbohydrates that can trigger IBS. And foods that are better for people with IBS are often referred to as low FODMAP foods. 
Yeah, just looked it up. FODMAP stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, polyols, which are, which are short-chain carbohydrates and sugar alcohols that are poorly absorbed by the body, resulting in abdominal, I can talk, resulting in abdominal pain and bloating. And it's true that there are meats, including certain fish, that are recommended for people struggling with IBS, probably because of the lack of carbs, I imagine, at least in part. But there's also a very long list of low FODMAP vegan foods, a lot of different fruits, vegetables, and starches, including certain staples like oats and rice. I'll probably include an image in the YouTube version, but the list of low FODMAP vegan foods was just crazy long. I think I counted roughly about 50 items. Of course, trigger foods vary from person to person. And Alex never specifies which vegan foods were triggering his IBS or if he gave certain readily available low FODMAP vegan foods a try or not. And in that video, he also mentions that he's been wrestling with some unspecified mental health issues. I don't know if it's depression, anxiety, or what. But I noticed he didn't look well in the video. He looked visibly depressed or worn down. Is it because of the stress from the backlash he's been facing? Or is it due to unrelated mental health struggles? Or both? I don't know. But I feel bad for anyone who's wrestling with mental health issues or mood disorders. I haven't talked about it on the show for a while. I've been trying to focus more on the actual show content and not ramble on about my own problems as much. But yeah, the last two years I've been wrestling with probably the worst depression and anxiety of my life. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to off myself or anything, to put it bluntly. And I've been thinking about starting up uh, talk therapy again, something I haven't done since before the pandemic. And when I was younger, I used to deal with social anxiety, but the anxiety I've been experiencing of late isn't that. It's more like a kind of existential anxiety related to the depression. So I can definitely relate to that kind of struggle, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. So I wish Alex the best on that count, and I hope he's able to work through it, perhaps with the help of a professional if necessary. He also added that some days he wasn't eating at all, or only consumed maybe 500 or 700 calories, something like that. Is this because he's avoiding food because of the IBS, perhaps loss of appetite due to the mental health issues, trouble finding vegan food while abroad, which shouldn't be too hard in most cases, or some combination? Once again, I don't know. And I guess Alex was recently in France and actually reached out and messaged a well-known vegan YouTuber who goes by the name Joey Carbstrong. He was looking for advice finding vegan places in the area of France he happened to be in. And Joey was able to easily use something called Happy Cow. I don't know if it's an app or a website. And immediately found about 20 places near where Alex was. And here I'm not trying to say what Alex should have done. At the end of the day, it's his life. And I myself, once again, I'm not completely plant-based. Who am I to tell him what to do? But my inner detective can't help wonder what the deal is. Something doesn't add up. If he really wanted to remain vegan, you would think it should have been relatively easy enough to find something on a long list of low FODMAP vegan foods. 
And I should add, he emphasized the fact that the IBS was a lifelong illness stemming back to childhood, and it wasn't caused by his vegan diet. So it sounds like it was something he was going to have to wrestle with either way. So if veganism was so important to him, why not seek out vegan low FODMAP? Is that the drinking game uh, word of the week? Uh, FODMAP or low FODMAP foods instead of non-vegan ones? I don't know. And I know it might seem strange to spend so much time talking about what someone else is eating, and it's his life. But once again, I think the reason why it's had such an effect on people is that people like having principled people to look up to and inspire them. And when that person in question suddenly seems to abandon those principles, it's jarring, you know? But my guess is we'll just have to wait and see what happens. As the dust settles, maybe he will continue to be an animal activist to some degree. Maybe he'll even resume being vegan. Or, you know, maybe he'll just move on and return to focusing more on atheism and spirituality or other topics. Um, I don't wish him any, any ill will, and I hope he manages to pull himself out of this dark place he's in, and I'll wish myself the same while I'm at it, but I'm curious to see how things play out. But with that being said, as always, thanks for listening, and until next time.